You're listening to North Bay Christ the King's weekly sermon podcast. In this week's message, Pastor Dan McAvoy gives insight into living on earth, but belonging to the kingdom of God. What I love about our church, we're multi-generational multi, uh, you know, and, and, and really kind of non-denominational, where we all come from different backgrounds, different experiences. We're really kind of a melting pot at CTK. So if you're here and you're like new and, you, you know, and you're feeling like maybe I'm, I'm the new person, there's a lot of new people around. We have a lot of people come through. And I think it's really cool that people feel that we're accessible. We really want to be that. We really want to be a church that's in this environment because that matters a lot, I, I think, in our lives where I just noticed late, I don't know if you know, I think we're just like really, we have a harsh culture. Like I've seen it more and more, and maybe the political climate and the rhetoric that's going on, it's just going in a higher level of tension than ever before. Like people are just not as nice anymore. They're just, there's, there's unkindness going around in many different ways. And I'm seeing that a lot in her. And I, I thought, man, as, a, as who we are, and especially those of us who are followers of Christ, how powerful can we just, just to be kind, to be in, having an accepting environment. And, and that's, what I love, that's what I love about us and what we do. But for, you know, many of us, especially growing up, we, we didn't always have an opportunity where we were feeling very accepted. And I had this question, and, and it relates to my life. Did you ever struggle to fit in? Did you ever struggle to fit in, maybe growing up, maybe in your kind of formative years? And then a lot of us kind of go, yeah, I, I struggle to fit in. Because the world can be kind of harsh. The world can get competitive, and, and people are insecure, and then whatever they're doing. And so it can be tough. And I, I remember especially, kind of, I would say some memories, maybe some scarring memories, are like the first day of school or the first semester at lunchtime. Do you guys remember these moments? Some of the students kind of like, yeah, it was yesterday. I had experience. But we, some of us uh, older people, we remember when we had to walk in and you got your tray from the cafeteria and you're going out in the lunchroom and you're looking around and it's this panic comes over you. You're going, is there anybody I know? Is there anybody out there that I, that I could sit with? Any familiar faces? And my high school was a little larger. We had three different lunches. And so, you know, like you, you show up, you had third lunch and all your friends had like first or second lunch. You're like, I don't know anybody. And so then you try to slide into a, a seat, like maybe these people will accept you. And then I had a couple times where I'd sit down and then everybody would give up, get, get up and leave. And it was because they all had eaten their lunch and they took off. You're like, oh, I'm such a loser. I just, oh, and I remember those moments. And, I, and, and those of us have, thank God we graduated, right? Thank God through a little bit of therapy, we got through those moments where we struggled just to fit in. And I think in our lives <coughs> that, excuse me a second. I think in our lives, many of us can identify that, that, that even in our adulthood, that we're always at times, and especially new seasons of our life, <coughs> where we're having to try to, you know, start anew, maybe a new job, a new, a new neighborhood we live in, live in, maybe even a new church. Where is, is there a place? Is there a place for us at life's lunch table? Well, CTK, our heart, you know, is creating this authentic Christian community. Our desire is that we would effectively reach out to, to unchurched people, 
through love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And the love, acceptance, forgiveness is not something that we necessarily hold and possess in ourselves, but that all comes from God, from God's love, God's acceptance, and God the Father's forgiveness that he offers us to, to have that seat, to, to belong, to, to belong. And I think that's so important in knowing my story that even at times when I felt like an, a socially awkward teenager, there was a group of people that I finally felt like I was in. I was in the in crowd, and that was in my church youth group. There was a group of people, and it wasn't just the larger group of gathering that I, that I went to, but there was a small group of guys that we got together on a weekly basis. And we huddled together in this, this house of this college student uh, who I, I think he couldn't, couldn't afford heat. And it was always cold in this guy's house, Jeff Johnson's house. And we would gather. And what it was about these guys, it was not what we just did in that huddle is what we did on the off times that there were the same people. There were the same people that would worship and lift their hands on a sunny morning. They were the same people, the same guys that what they did and hung out after a football game on Friday night. There wasn't two different types of people. And that really spoke to me. That really spoke to me. These guys just don't claim to believe this. No, it's more than words. It's more than words. Because, you know, listen, talks, talks cheap. Actions really speak. And that's really what was going on. I saw that they were living this out. It was really, truly, for the first time in my life, I not only felt like I fit in, but I, I felt like I was rescued from a life of loneliness and brought into this relationship that ultimately left me in a relationship with God. Now, some of you might be able to share similar stories where you finally felt like there's, there was a place for you. Last Sunday, we, we started our teaching series on the book of 1 John and how John really lays out to this community in Ephesus that belief in following Christ is more than just words. It's more than just, just claiming a certain doctrine or faith. Because John addressed an issue that was happening. There was false teachers proclaiming some fake news. And they were talking about how Jesus really didn't come in the flesh. He didn't actually die on the cross. He didn't really shed real blood. And then and really, therefore, he didn't really rise from the dead. That really was all kind of a belief. And it was kind of a figment of someone's imagination. And, and, and John, John goes, no, no, no. I saw him. I, I, I touched him. I heard him. I saw him die. I saw him rise from the dead. This is true. This is reality. It's, there's not a separation between the belief and what truly took place. And I love as we jump into chapter two of John, first John, he says this in all that we're going to be talking about here in one statement. He says, this is how we know we are in him. How do you know you're in Christ? How do you know that you are a Christian? How do you know that, 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 that this is real? As he says this, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. John's laying it out very practical. It's not just mere words that you say what you believe, but you actually live out what you claim. Talk is cheap. Actions really do speak. And if you read the verses 6 to 14, we're not going to take the time today. I hope that you can do that 
in another time to read, John emphasizes this walk and talk and the emphasis of this, of God's, God's love, which we'll talk about here in a moment, but now how we can love others, which we'll be looking at in a few weeks. But I want to focus today on verses 15 through 17. And I want to take some time with the help of, hopefully the Lord will help me with my voice here as, as it's cracking, to look at this and talk about this challenge that John gives, that if we really love, what is the motive of that love? And really even the focus of the object of our love that can get in the way of truly, truly walking in this, this love that God has. So John, 1 John 2 we're going to look at verses 15. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. But forever, for everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. When I was reflecting on this verse, I'm reminded that as we contrast it with our own levels of insecurities and, and our own does deep down desire to, to be accepted, to find that inner belonging, that our motives can get a little bit skewed a little bit. That we, when we're trying to desperately find our place at, the, at life's lunch table, we can find ourselves getting and pushing and compromising a little bit more to try to fit in, to kind of get molded and kind of shaped into this, this culture that we're having. And I want to talk about that here in a moment. But I want to do that with one statement as a challenge that I believe John's giving us here that we're looking at is this, is to be in, not of this world. To be in, to be in, but not of this world. Maybe you've heard that phrase many times. You've been a Christian a long time. You've never heard that before. Some of us use it a lot, but, but what does that really mean? What it's really talking about that I want to look into is it's, it's not being, you know, we're in the world, but to compromise ourselves to be of that world. What does that compromise look like? Well, I want to look at first is what does John mean by world? You know, what, what does world mean? Well, in the context here, it's the mentality and focus of this world. The world that is looked at, John look here, is in a negative light. The mentality is kind of a humanistic thinking. People are focused on materialism. But really this, it's this persistent rejection of the claims that God is in favor of uh, is in, in favor of our own values and desires. There's this rejection of, of God's value and God's ways and, and, our, and following man's ways and man's mentality. And the danger is that we get slowly sucked into that all the time, don't we? We get pulled in slowly. You, I don't know if you've heard, it's a pretty classic picture of, you ever heard the frog in the kettle? You know, if, and, and I, I've had frog legs and I don't really care for them that well. So, um, but you could pick another animal that hops really, but, but frogs, if you're going to want to cook a frog, you're, you're not going to want to drop a little frog into a hot boiling water. It's going to jump out right away. 
So what you do though, instead is you, you get the water kind of temperate, kind of lukewarm. And you drop that little guy in the water and he swims around and he's, you know, backstroke and kicking back a little bit and this little froggy. And what you do to cook that frog, you slowly turn up the heat on him. And pretty soon you're like, hey, this is feeling like a hot tub. We're getting some bubbles here. This is great. And you slowly turn it up, slowly turn it up and you, then you boil it to death. Oh, that's so cruel. Tell you what, our lives, our culture that we live in, it's slowly the heat's turning up, it's turning up, it's turning up. And if we're not careful, we get absorbed in this culture in such a way that we don't even know what we look like any longer. Now, John talks about this. He's just saying, listen, don't get sucked in it. Do not love the world. Now, what does he mean by love the world? Well, it's really the things that we love and the investment and the time and attention and emotions and energy that we have. What is the, those things or those, those people are, that we give our greatest to? I, I had a friend in high school that he, he loved his car. And I don't mean just normally loved his car, but he, he had a love affair with his car. I mean, it was creepy love, okay? Like, he lo- like if it was legal today to marry his car, he would marry his car. I mean, it was really kind of weird. And he would, you know, polish this thing and detail it and only drive it and when the good weather was good. And, and, he, and you know, always about his car, his car, his car. And then I was friends with him, and he gave me the privilege to sit in the car. He didn't let everybody sit in the car, okay? So, like, ooh. And then we'd get in the car, and then, like, but we wouldn't, like, leave right away. We'd, like, sit in there. And just, you know, and then, then he like turn, you know, fiddle with the stereo system and then get the right song. And like, can we leave? Can we go? You know, can we get moving? And so, you know, but one day after all this lover's car, he goes out and you're like, the car is gone. Someone had stolen his baby. Okay. And, and, and then a few days later, the cops found it. It had been stripped down and all that. And I tell you, this guy, 25 years later, I still think he's recovering in a car. I think I see him post on Facebook his old car in high school and talk about nostalgia of this old car. I'm like, dude, I wanted to get over it, right? Move on. Now, that seems kind of extreme a little bit, but there's people out there. We can have obsessions. We can obsess about people. We can obsess about things or whatever we're doing ourselves. And that's what... John's talking about, we get so consumed with this world. And, and, and yet, and so he says, don't love the world. Now we get, contra- there's some contradictions sometimes because isn't like the most famous verse in the Bible says, for God so loved the world. How does that pan out? Well, the love for the world is different when John's talking about when he says in, in the gospel of John, it's yes, God loves this world, but what is he truly loving? He's loving us. It's loving humanity. It's not the mentality. It's not the things of the, Jesus didn't come to redeem things, the materialistic of this world. He came to redeem our souls. That's what lasts, that's what lasts forever. So it's, it, it really is about worldliness. It's kind of this mentality of this world. And, and I think sometimes can people, and I'll say this about worldliness is it's confusing a little bit of style over substance. And especially in the church, we can get kind of confused because if you've been an older generation, you might remember that certain styles were not godly back in the day. I mean, some churches back 60 years ago, having drums or having guitars was of the devil. 
And people got confused on style. Like that's silly nowadays. And it doesn't matter what instruments we play. I mean, they're all, we're making music to the Lord, right? But back in the day, it was a style issue. Way you dress, a certain look you have, that mattered, right? And we can laugh about that. But just even a few years ago, when Facebook got really big, there was pastors out there that would tell their congregation or even like prohibit their leadership not to have have an accounts because it could lead to um, adultery. I'm like, how did you get that? Well, what happened was people were fighting their like, you know, class, you know, uh, high school sweetheart, you know, and reconnecting with and hooking up with them through Facebook. Well, adultery has been way around way before Facebook. It might've been accessible, but somehow people confuse style over substance. Listen, styles are going to change all the time. Substance never changes. The gospel never changes and never changed the message, but we get caught up in that. And so, you know, we have to be careful that we don't get consumed with style over substance. God didn't call us to, you know, put ourselves in a biodome and live in an unpolluted, you know, Christian aquarium. No, we're called to be salt and light. Jesus said, let your light shine before men that may, you may see, they may see your good, not your good words, your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. Again, talks cheap, action speaks. And so when it comes to our lives and living out of being in the world, not of the world, that really does speak to people. It really does. There, there's a, there's a, there's a separation that takes place where people can tell doesn't mean you're not hanging out with them. It's not, doesn't mean you spend time with them. It means you're a bit different on the good side of things going, I'm not of this world. I'm in it. I'm working. I'm living. I'm, I'm participating in all that goes on in this world, but I'm not of it. Now, how, how do you find the distinguishing element of that? Cause it, it can be subtle. Well, John helps us out a little bit. Then I want to talk about how to be in, but not of. One of the things we're going to point out here is just not letting what we love squeeze out God's love. Not letting what we love squeeze out God's love. My job, I love what I do. It sometimes is very, very stressful. But what I love about is, is this, is I, I get to do what I get to do and, and make a career of it. And it's wonderful. But my challenge is to sometimes put it aside of what I love to, to my greater loves. Not only my relationship with God, but my wife and my kids. So sometimes we have to be careful. I know for me, don't let those priorities get squeezed out of other things that come in of the other loves that, I, that, that I, I love to do. And it's the same way in our relationship with God. And I love what the message version says of verse 15 of first John two, it says, making sure that the love of this world sque- does not really squeeze out the love for the father, the love of the world. He says, squeezes out the love of the father. What's the love of the father is this incredible, gracious, amazing love that we'll be looking at in the next couple chapters in first John, this amazing, benevolent God that loves us so much and not let that squeezed out, but what other loves are there. So here's the question, who or what is putting the squeeze on you lately? Where is that coming from? Is there someone coming along in your life that's putting the squeeze on you and there's pressure to be a certain way and act a certain way? Well, Paul warns us this. In, in Philip's translation, I love this. It says this in Romans 12:1. Do not, Paul says, let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. The world around you. Well, what's that look for, for you? And maybe it's your job and you're working in, a, in, a, in, a, in your supervisor's putting the squeeze on you to perform. Maybe for some of you, it's, um, you know, 
dressing a certain way. You thought you looked good, and then you open up a magazine, you're going, I look, I need new clothes. This is not working out. And, you know, you can, you, you thought you were a good cook. And you, you, you read like good housekeeping, these recipes like, um, I can make macaroni cheese from the box. You know, there's certain things. Uh, I notice even lately, like, you know, there's all these diet plans and it's just more and more. It's just consuming as you, you see it out. I'm thinking, man, I'm, you know, Marie Osmond, how much weight does she have to lose? Have you noticed that lately? Nutrisystem, like everybody is trying to squeeze you and make you like, she has muscle loss, hundreds of pounds because she's always losing weight. Um, but but even in our, in our church, even not just the culture out there, even in our church, we just act a certain, you look a certain way that this is what a Christian is. And I tell you, that's not, doesn't define you. Society does not have to define what's important in our lives. And so Paul says this, he said, don't let it, you know, squeeze you in its own mold. He says, but let God remold, what? Your minds from with in so that you may prove and practice that the, the plan of God for you is good, meaning all his demands and moving toward the goal of what? True maturity. It's when we make space for God and his love in our lives that and it doesn't mean that we don't please people. It doesn't mean that we, we don't help and we make ourselves available and take responsibility, but we make our, our God-pleasing desire of our Father way more important than pleasing anybody else. What matters most? That God's love fills us to such a degree that the world ambitions and the worldly loves just fail in, pale in comparison. And that's really about being in the world, but not of the world. So there's the outward squeeze that comes and the pressures of this world but how many know, let's be honest, much of the pressure in our lives also comes within us, within us. See, for being in, not of, is this, is recognizing the battle of a world war within us. That there's a world war that goes on within us. Study civilization, and you can read of all the different wars and, and, you know, nations, you know, warring against nations. But some of the greatest struggles of nations is the battle within. It's the civil war. And we have in our, in our, in our lives, in our history, we have one of the, the bloodiest civil wars in, in all of the world. And yet even today, let's just admit it, we're in a war, we're in a civil war of words in our culture today. And the divide is so huge. Like I said earlier, the world is harsh right now and it's harsh to one another, whatever sides that are battling against each other. But man, I'm going, it's just words, but it's, it's, it's causing so much civil war. And yet that's not the greatest battle even going on today. The battle always is right here in our own lives. So John goes on in verse 16, he says this, for everything in this world, what's everything? And he goes on and lists these areas that I want to touch on here. These are battlefronts, these three battlefronts. It's, it's, it's gratification, greed, and glory that we're going to look at. And I remind you last week, and I might have mentioned just a minute ago about Gnosticism, this belief system was that, that, that John was fighting against was the belief that you could do whatever you want. As long as you believed in God and believed in Jesus, you could live your life whatever way you wanted to live. And John's going, no, 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 that is wrong. It really does affect you and it affects your relationship with God. God. And this, this, this barrier to this love relationship that you can have with your heavenly father says this. 
for everything in this world. What's everything in this world? He, he nails down three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The lust of the flesh. It's that, it's that battle of gratification. It's basically saying, I want it my way. <clears throat> I want it my way. And, and we live in that kind of on-demand world, and we can get it so quick. I, I tell you, one of the favorite questions I love going out to breakfast is, how would you like your eggs? I love that question. How would you like your eggs, sir? And I usually say, over easy, because that's what people say. I don't know what else to say. Is there other ways to cook eggs? I think there is. Over easy. And I would think, man, I wish life was just like that. I wish it, life could just be over easy. It's not, is it? My friend Rob and uh, my other, Rob pastors, CTK downtown and Rich, CTK Ferndale, they were getting together and they were talking. They shared this encounter they had with a guy from India. I was talking with him the other day and they were saying that this guy, he'd been radically saved out of Hinduism and came to Christ. And I was like teaching thousands of pastors and just, they got to talk with this guy and this movement's coming across India. And, and even you'd be surprised one of the fastest growing places in the world for the gospel is Iran right now. I mean, there's this movement, the Lord's doing great things. And yet we sit here in America and we're and, and they're kind of at, they ask the bold question and go, you know, Hey, how come it doesn't seem like God's really moving in the United States lately. What's going on with that? And his response in a kind way, in a firm way, he says this, you, you Americans, you want results too quickly. You don't know what it means to wait on God. I'm like, man, that's so true. We're in this on-demand, you know, fast food, video streaming world. And you, we talk about this over and over. It's never enough. It's, and even if the quickest you get it, the quicker you want more of it. And we have learned the lost art of self, really self gratification. We lost the, the, the I'm sorry, the, the loss, this <laughs> cold medication, the, the loss of understanding the art of delayed gratification, of delayed gratification, where we just give it to them. And we do that if you're a parent, you know, like when you give your kids, I want a cookie. You don't just give them a cookie. They're going to want another cookie. They're going to want it quick. We, we've taught our kids learning this art of delayed gratification because just because you want it doesn't mean you get it right away. And that that factors in and the bigger, the bigger things of the worth, the way, when it comes to sexual purity, one of the biggest things to wait to your marriage. If you don't learn to, to learn, uh, delay gratification, it's going to bite you big time. And we don't need to learn that as adults, just because you can get it now doesn't mean you should have it. And listen, we live in a fluent world. Some of us live in such a way, we can buy whatever we want and get it right away, okay? Thank you, Amazon Prime, okay? We can get it quick. And it's, we gotta be careful that, so that's important. Gotta move on. The lust of his eyes, it's about greed. I want what I don't have. And I have to admit, I have to admit, I've got a lust problem. Some of you are like, oh no, here it comes. My lust problem, I'll be specific to help you out. It's techno lust. I love seeing new screens. <laughs> I, I, my son and I, we were in, in Costco the other night and we both went in, our, our you know, wife and you know, my daughter moved on, they're going on and we just go like, whoa, wow. 
And why do they put them right there when you're walking in? For suckers like us. Wow. And I'm like, listen, I got plenty of flat screens already at home. I don't need any more. But I'm drawn to that. I'm like, no, we're coming here for lettuce, bread, cheese, nice computer. No, you know, we're doing that. And, And we, listen, anything that has an I next to it, iPad, iPhone, iMacs. And here's the thing. What's the middle letter of sin? I. I, Eve started her path of temptation. She says this, it says this, when the woman saw that the fruit, saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, she took some and ate it. Let me ask this question. Who or what are you pursuing more than Jesus? Nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But is it more, is it more focused? Are you more focused on your career? Are you more focused on the stuff of this world and the people of this world rather than God himself? So important. Then he finally says this, the pride of life. That's a battlefront that we have, the pride of life. It's about glory. And, and, and it's kind of this, it's the boasting what he has and does. And it's basically saying, I, I, I want to appear important. Look at, look at me. And if you're single, can I give you a little dating tip? I passed over the years and I, someone taught me this. If, if you're going on a first date and the person talks about themselves the entire first hour, guess what? The first date is now the last date for them just to help you out a little bit. See, we're all guilty of talking about ourselves. We're all in the place because our insecurity comes because from our, you know, behind every ego is insecurity. And it, it's this, it's, and it's because of this lack of acceptance and really trying to understand this love, this love that comes from our father that we don't always find it and accept it, that we find it and trying to find it everywhere else. Listen, pride and arrogance is our compensation for wounded, for our wounded heart so desiring to know a father's love. Let me say that again. Pride and arrogance is our compensation for a wounded heart so desiring to know a father's love. Can I tell you, your father loves you. Your father desires for you to sit at the table and there's always a place for you. There's always a place at his, his table for you to be a part of. Because I'll tell you, if you run after everything else, it's all going to go away one day. See, to be in, not of the world, finally, know this, this world is on its way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity, eternity. John writes this, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. See, what you see, what you touch, touch what you taste, what you smell, all you, it's all going to go away. It's all going to the dump. You ever go to the, make a dump run? You got all this stuff, this junk, you clear in a closet or garage and you show up and you're dumping the stuff over. Do you ever look at what other people dump? You're going, wow, that's pretty nice. Now, I never dived in the dumpster and got it, but I'm going, man, that looked like a nice TV. That looked like a nice stereo. That looked like a nice microwave. And I think to myself sometimes, I wonder if these people, how much money, you know, they hard-earned money to buy those items. Some people are probably still paying on their credit card for what they already thrown away. But guess what? Everything, everything you see around you, feel and touch, smell, it's all gone. It's all going to the dump. Let me ask that, knowing that. What is it? And, 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 and you know, John curses this world and its desires will pass away. So here's the question. Is what I'm living for today going to be worth it tomorrow? 
Is what I'm doing today, what I'm investing in today. I tell you, when we invest in people and we invest in those who are younger and we invest in our lives and people and prayer and that, it's all so much better for the world. But if, we're, if it's all about stuff, it's all going to go away. Is it worth it? Everything has an expiration date except our very souls. And John goes on further and talks about that, that the one who does the will of the Father lives forever. Now, have you asked that question, what is the will of God for your life? We ask it all the time, don't we? And John lays it out. He laid it out earlier. He said, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Your, your, your next step is God's will for your life if it's done in faith. It's stepping out of faith saying, God, what is the next thing for me as I'm seeking you and I want to please you, my heavenly father? That is your will for your life. That is your will to step into that, whatever that might be. And it's always a step of faith. You don't know tomorrow. You don't know next week. You're going on what you know as you allow the love of God to fill you and give you direction and fill your need of significance, of value, to fill identity, to fill a sense of belonging, knowing that there's always a place. I never have to sit alone at lunch, that he is with me no matter where I go. And in that place of security, I can actually step out. You know what we can do? We can invite other people to be with us because we're confident in our relationship with God our, our, the, through the love of our Father. We don't have to love the world or anything in this world. We can actually be in, but not of, but we can invite people to join us in a, as a being a part of what God is doing. I mentioned earlier that um, the world's harsh. I think it's a harsh world that we live in. And so today I want to, I feel I would be wrong not to challenge us to take a step. Not just these are words that are spoken, but a step to take. And I want to challenge you with one word, kindness. I want to challenge you today to join me in a 30-day kindness challenge. And what this, what, what this is, is basically putting what we talked about into practice, to actually step out. Some of you are already kind of doing some things There's leading up to Easter for Lent. I encourage you as you're maybe taking, pulling things away for Lent, actually put something in. And that is taking a step toward kindness challenge. And this is what you could do. And it's, it's basically this. You, you find a person to be kind to, okay? You want it to be a person that you know, and more importantly, they know you. Because if they don't know you and you start being kind to them, that's creepy. That's stalker. You could get arrested for that, okay? Don't do that. But they know you. It's a family, family member, a friend, a spouse, a coworker, classmate, whatever it might be. And you, each day for 30 days, you say nothing negative about them. You only speak, you know, not negative to them or about them. You speak positive words to them every single day, and you do some kind of kindness gesture to them, something for them to show an expression of kindness. Now you, you think, well, you know, I practice random acts of kindness. What if it wasn't random? What if you actually did this deliberately for 30 days? I wonder what your relationship would look like with that person. I bet it'd probably get better. Maybe your spouse, maybe, your, maybe with one of your kids, maybe a friend. You know, maybe it's a struggling relationship. I don't know. But how to improve that relationship? What if we all did that? So I encourage you to join the, join the, the what is it? Join the, the kindnesschallenge.com. And you can also go on our Facebook page. We got, a, we got a link to that as well. Just a tangible step to do that. And we all did that together. You get a daily, if you sign in, you get a daily email to remind you about it and some, some helps to do that. 
but some simple steps. We live in a cruel world. What if we killed them with kindness? You know what I mean? In a good way. We would actually reach out and we would help people and in certain ways. And not, not, not be one person. I tell you, when you start being kind to one person, it starts flowing in all your relationships. And that'd be pretty cool. And who knows what that will lead to as we get up to Easter. Maybe God would actually set up an invitation as you're investing in, because I was one of those people. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to hear all this and what people believe. When I saw it lived out, I was hooked. I wanted to be a part of it. There's many people out there. Guess what? There's a seat for them at the table that we can invite as we reach out to them in a small way, being kind and caring. Why? Because it's, our identity is not in, in them or us. It's our identities and our, the love that we have in our Father.